0: like I said, my capstone project when I finished my bachelor's was on the shortage and a huge reason we're dealing with the shortage right now is in part because of the 1500 hour rule. It was sort of right. It was a knee jerk reaction by the FAA after the Colgan air crash in like 2009. Right.
1: Welcome to the Bravo Limo podcast. Skies are clear and comms are open. This is episode three.
0: Three.
2: (laughs) Welcome. Wow, what a great podcast. I just love Morgan.
1: Yeah, I think one of my favorite parts about the podcast was her talking about her experience as she started gaining followers as she was going through Blue Line's program. And it's interesting hearing what that experience was like for her. But even just in general, you get to meet Morgan as a pilot, as a person, rather than just the comical character that she is behind, you know, reels and TikToks and stuff.
2: Yeah, I think my favorite was going back down memory lane of the first time I met her and... (laughs) Her, you know, just being who she is still today and now she has all these followers and, you know, she can walk down the street in Oshkosh and there's 20 people asking for her picture. People come to our booth asking where she is like we have an Apple an Apple tracker on her. Or <laughs> but no, I think I think that was probably my favorite part, just remembering when she was a student here and then remembering what it was like to watch her gain followers and and really you know find her passion in that sort of little niche area of aviation as well
1: and that being said well let's go ahead and bring her on morgan welcome to episode three of the bravo Lima podcast
0: three i don't know what that was <laughs> hey guys it's great to be here thank you guys. thank you for having me this is this is just, this is gonna be standard throughout the whole thing i'm just gonna hiccup we're gonna trip through the entire podcast
1: so how you doing okay
0: great the cats are also going to be a distraction so
2: it's okay it's okay goose is a distraction for me right now sometimes if you guys ever see me not looking at the camera or like follow it's because goose is just on a on a hunt for crumbs
0: (laughs) we have the door open and it's finally cold here so the cats are like frisky so they like zoomies
1: the cats <laughs> across the apartment i mean morgan it's unfortunate that this podcast has already started off with you talking about how you have cats so you just probably lost half your followers um <laughs> but we'll continue the podcast anyways so let the people know who you are um anybody that's never that are not aware of your reels and your tiktoks and your chaos and funniness that you have what would you tell them about Bef- yourself before
2: you do that morgan i need to be clear if you don't know Morgan's reels and TikToks, or if you don't follow her on social, we're going to put it right here because you need to go watch those reels and then come back to this because she is freaking hilarious.
0: <laughs> so you need to
2: know what type of humor we're dealing with before you watch this podcast.
0: Chaotic energy is about the theme of my life and my humor. So <laughs>
1: well, that being said, so like, if you want to let everybody know, like you had to give them just a general understanding of who Morgan is, what would you, what would you tell them?
0: So, I'm on Instagram at uh, Le Capitaine Morgan. So, that's how I envisioned it when I first made it. I made it when I before I started making content and I was looking for handles. So it was like Le Captain Morgan, or Captain Morgan, of course, that's taken by 800 people. I was like, well, let's make it French. I was like, Le Capitaine. So that's, that's how I like found it in my head. I was like, that seems stupid. Let's roll with it. So, anyway, yeah, no, I, I found myself at Blue Line in july 2021 and graduated january 2022 uh just tore through all my ratings you guys uh got me I, got, I had my private 2018 you guys got me the rest of the way there and uh now i'm flying pipeline so
1: how long did it take you to get your private
0: so i started flying in 2016. my dad had a a, a 120 and i was flying that it was it's a little tail dragger That thing was so squirrely and starting with zero time, I mean, maybe a couple hours because I flew with him as a kid. And so starting in that was a little bit rough. But then I didn't solo in it because my dad let his buddy fly it and he landed it in mud, which wasn't a problem. But he, like, hit the throttle and the prop dug into the mud. And so they had a prop strike and then jacked up the rudder somehow. So when I went to fly it, uh, we were like, what what happened to the rudder? We didn't even know there was a prop strike because it started up fine. And then later on we found out that something went down. That should not have gone down, or should have been communicated, at least. And So anyway, I had 20 hours, didn't solo, and then probably didn't pick it up for another year, uh, six months to a year. So all in all, it took me about two years. So I started in 2016, and then I, I got my private in 2018.
2: So it took you two years to get your private, and then it took you six months to get yes. the remaining instrument, commercial, cfi cf double i multi all those wow <laughs> so yep. a quarter of your time for yep. private
1: you were able to get six ratings <laughs> that's crazy <Yep. laughs>
0: exactly. also i want to add that was the draw to blue line. i'm not a particularly driven person if i'm left to my own devices and i was going to get my instrument It's sort of in the middle of COVID and then, then, well, before COVID and then COVID happened. And I lived probably an hour away from, or over an hour away from the airport that I was going to get my instrument in. And between work and wanting to have a social life and the drive up there, I was like, no, I don't, uh, (laughs) this is, this is a not great situation for me. And I just couldn't make it happen. I just wasn't driven enough. So I was like, if I want to succeed, like I need to fully commit to flight school from start to finish. I don't want to work. I don't want to have to worry about anything else. I want to be fully immersed in, in flight school and studying and flying and nothing else. So how so. did you find Blue Line? Andy.
1: <laughs> did you really?
0: You didn't know that? I, did. I didn't know that. I asked that on purpose. I knew, she, I knew where she found Oh, that Blue is Line. so
1: weird. I don't know. I actually did not know that you found me because I like oh, that's interesting. Cool.
0: Dude, my life changed. I found the YouTube video, the ATP versus uh, Blue Line. And like literally three days, it took me three days to decide because I looked at ATP. I had an ATP maybe like 30 minutes from me and everyone I talked to had nothing but bad (laughs) things to say (laughs) who started at ATP and he went and got a CFI somewhere else because their their CFI academy was backed Mm -hmm. up by like three months. So instead of the program taking like seven to nine months or whatever their timeline is, it takes closer to... Eleven, twelve. It's like, well, what's the point of an accelerated program if that's what the the timeline looks yeah.
1: like? Yeah, I mean, and it's funny too because earlier you brought up about like you know the whole discipline thing about how like you're like I just don't have the discipline to just do it by myself. I mean, what better way yeah. to immerse yourself in the nation's most? Of, that's, I mean, you went for it. You went for the nation's most efficient program, um, and it is as I'm sure you can say is a very stressful environment to be in.
0: It, it was, but it was it was worth it. Like, there's nothing else on your plate. You don't have to worry about any other external factors. I mean, yeah, my family, you know, I came to North Carolina from Texas, and, you know, that was my game plan. I wasn't going to move to North Carolina. It was just a temporary planning on being there for no more than six months and then planning on being home. So other than, you know, maybe family factors and, and stuff, nothing else was on my plate. So, so yes, it's stressful, but you're able to focus all your time and energy Towards you know, flying and getting your ratings,
1: we'll get into this later. But we'll talk about how we're mad at you for not staying in North Carolina. But
0: <laughs> I know I was just about to say
2: you—you you can't. I—I I still remember the day that Morgan showed up. I remember walking because we were still at RDU, and I remember walking from the back, you know, of, of my office to the front because I heard something which I thought was like an emergency <laughs> when, in reality, it was just Morgan's voice <laughs> and her laughter, which. I'm sure you can capture from this, like, but it's, it's infectious. It wasn't like scary. It was just, it was infectious. So I wanted to know what was going on because I sort of have a cackle too, but nobody can beat Morgan. So I remember that day and like, how dare you, you know what I mean? How dare you come and make us all fall in love with you and then say, I'm not working here because I have family. Are you kidding me?
1: I know. Where's your priorities right now? I remember, it's funny, whenever I would have to go look for you, Morgan, I remember going downstairs, which if any of you guys haven't been in Blue Line's facility. Um, what are you doing? First of all. You know, yeah, what? Um, it, it's it's like a square is the best way to explain it. So what you'll do is we'll go down the stairs and I'll be split. I have two ways to go. And if I was looking for Morgan, all I'd do is I'd come out the door and I'd just stop and I would just listen. You just know. And then I would listen for her and I would know where she was from that. So <laughs> you could always hear where Morgan was
0: there's one day you came in and you were looking for me and I was, it was in the morning and I was eating, I was in the middle of eating breakfast in one of the rooms and you would come and like popped your head in the room. And you were like, I couldn't find you. It was so quiet. And I've got like a mouth. <laughs> uh,
1: that's so funny.
2: So Morgan, we ask all of our guests, what was your most memorable flight at blue line when you were a student?
0: I'm probably gonna have to say spin training. I have the tendency to get airsick. Oh,
1: that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I had had a couple of, of of rough flights where I got a little bit airsick, and it was typically doing like steep turns over and over and over. So I was a little bit nervous that I was I was gonna have a bad time. I never thrown up in the plane. I will say that much. I never threw up, but I always not not always, but occasionally I, I got a little bit sick. So I was really nervous that I was gonna get sick and like potentially throw. But I didn't, and it ended up, I just remember the first, you know, they do do the uh, incipient spin. You start with that one, and it just, and everyone had said, like, oh, the the 172 doesn't want to spin. I'm like, oh, cool. So my thinking was that, like, oh, you really, like, have to make it spin. No. No, you don't. It it will spin easily, okay, as long as you get the rudder in there. Like, I thought it was going to have to force it over. No, he's, like, he started it. He showed me, you know, what he was doing and he kicked the rudder in his. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> so I didn't catch that. So did you get sick on any spin flights?
0: No, I didn't. Thankfully. And it was, it was really cool. It was, let's see, I finished in January. So that was probably November, December. And it was, it was a really cool morning. So, so thankfully. And that yeah, that's that a big a factor lot. for me is the heat. So it was nice. and Yeah. And it, no, so it, it didn't bother me, thankfully, or else I would have had a bad time.
1: <laughs> so did you say that you've never gotten sick on any flights at Blue Line? Like you've never thrown up?
0: I've never thrown up, but I, I have gotten sick, and I've had to yeah. sit back and be like, okay, we're, I need a minute. We're going to go you know, straight and level, <laughs> and we're going to work this out.
1: Who, no, who, who were you flying with at Oshkosh?
0: Oshkosh, it was Go Easy Aerobatics with Kyle Fowler.
1: Did you get sick with them?
0: Later, I did. <laughs> so, I remember
2: that we, was the first thing I asked her. She came back, and I was like, "Did you
0: get sick?" <laughs> I was so worried, I was so worried I was going to get sick. I brought the puke bag with me. Mm-hmm. There's like, I did a reel after I did it, and it's me like, like blowing up the the puke bag. I'm like, I'm ready, bring. <laughs> and initially, you no, know, I didn't get sick. And I think positive G's don't have as much an, as an effect as negative G's. So. The first, you know, the first oh, over half the flight, most of the flight was fine, and we were doing a, I think it was a reverse Cuban where you, you know, you you pull up, flip it over, and then you like come back, come back out. And anyway, so we had. Oh. What? I could hear your cats in the background. I might have just throw them in the other room. Callie went no, in a no, room. No, no, it's fine. It just made me laugh. It was. I was just laughing. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> just sound
1: like something died in the background. That's all.
0: Yeah. It was like, a <laughs> meow. <laughs> Oh, it's difficult. Okay, so i will make to do it with my hand. So the reverse cube, and you like come up, flip over, and then like come back around. So he did the first two, and he asked me if I wanted to fly it. I'm like, let's let's do it. So I I went for it, flipped it over, and we started coming back around. And we're we're over a lake somewhere, you know, outside of Oshkosh, and it was it was so beautiful. But I just remember coming back around and then just like looking up out of cuz it's like a bubble canopy looking up and just seeing water and i pushed the nose forward instead of pulling to like bring it out of the <laughs> dive he was like no <laughs> he was like pull i was like push <laughs> no no <laughs> pull. Like, push <laughs> i'm just going to push it <laughs> you're like but it, it's so beautiful <laughs> I don't want to go towards the water. We want to go away from the water.
1: <laughs> Do you remember that reel we did? I don't know what it's from, but the noise, it's like, we're not speaking actual English or something, but it's like, it's like, Zubapoo? poo poo boo. And then like, you dove the plane. Do you remember that
0: one? Oh, no. It, it was the, the Friends episode. Is it, je? Je? Yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that's huh?
1: what it was. Yeah. <laughs> you literally, you <laughs> did that in real life. <laughs>
0: Just, and so like it was enough to where we both lifted up out of the seats and, and so he, he took it from me and, and got us back level and uh i sort of sat there and was, i think it's happening <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so how do you do in your current role i mean you're flying the pipeline in texas heat all day long low to the ground like i, I can only imagine that would make you feel sick
0: yeah, I don't know how many times I've thrown up anymore. It's been it's been several, and it's horrible every time.
1: <laughs> she doesn't even have to diet. She just.
0: <laughs> how does your How does your co pilot feel about it? They're, they're, he's used to it. They're they're all used to it. Just because all the observers, because I, I sit in the back of a tail. I get used to that. <laughs> it, it, I would not. <laughs> I don't know, and I like if I smell like throw up or something and obviously we're in close quarters,
1: Ashley, your face.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, Okay. This
2: is gross, but Lake had a stomach virus this week. Oh no. Like I think I need to go back to our wedding a year ago and take out, well, I'm there for you in sickness, but not this sickness. (laughs) I don't do that. (laughs) Like he was quarantined to his own room. Like he's left to his, I'm sorry, but that's, I would never be able to get used to
1: it. You just need to get rich <laughs> enough where you can outsource someone else to take care of him.
2: <laughs> like, hire somebody to come take care of when he has a stomach virus. Mm-hmm.
1: Just be like, "Cool, you're here. You're, you're temporary wife right now."
2: <laughs> I'm just going to hire those pilots that she flies with because apparently they're fine with it. <laughs> yeah. you just handle it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they <be> down.
1: <laughs> so Morgan, okay, when you came into Blue Lines program, you had like a handful of followers. It wasn't anything crazy, right? Like you were still in the hundreds, wasn't? Am I not right?
0: Oh, yeah, I, I think I had maybe like six or seven hundreds. And honestly, they were all friends. Like it was my own personal account. I, I wasn't making content. I was just posting live stuff and like updates. But but that was it. There was there was no kind of content creation. That wasn't my goal.
1: Yeah. And what started it then? Like because you it was out of nowhere. Right? It was in the midst of you being at blue line that you just decided to start creating content.
0: I guess it, it started in the middle of my my instrument training while well, I was flying with Jacob was my instructor and I just remember like telling him <laughs> I'm like okay I feel a little weird telling you this but I'm gonna film some stuff I kind of want to make it content, but uh, like I hate it because the idea of like everyone walking around with like a camera and just like filming everything and like filming yourself I'm like uh <laughs> so I, I, I didn't like that so I, I just gave him a heads up I was like like I'm sorry but I'm gonna film some stuff like I kind of want to make content, so I hope this isn't weird. He was like, "Go for it!" I'm like, great, okay. And I just started making content. But the original content, I, remember, I think my first reel was me doing like a pre-flight of the Cessna because we were we were flying the Cessna for instrument at that point. And I just filmed a, a pre-flight. Um, and then the next one was I think in my commercial training or, or I think it was just a a bunch of videos put together just of like different flights and stuff. And that one, the, the first several didn't do great. And I sat there and thought about it. I'm like, there's tons of people who make aviation content who also, may I add, make really good aviation content, like nice cameras, they got GoPros and they got like nice, like nice everything. And, and they know how to edit and put everything together. And I thought about it. I'm like, this isn't I'm like, it's okay. Like it's, you know, content. Did it but- seem like
1: a bridge too far?
0: A, a little bit, I guess. I, I mean, it, it was completely new for me. And then I think I, I did a couple of funny ones because I thought about, I was like, why don't you just lean into what you love? And I love to laugh and <laughs> why not just roll with that? And no one was really making any kind of funny aviation content. Everyone was, oh, I fly, I fly jets and I Right, fly- right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know kind of like super of, serious stuff yeah very like we're all very professional here i'm like i'm not let's go
1: oh <laughs> <So> morgan
0: <laughs> comedy and then the first my first reel that went viral was that i had split up audio from the office and I was, oh my god it's happening it's happening yep. okay I'm it was so split. was that your
1: big so was that the first one that went big for you
0: it was, and it, all it was, I had the camera, like, over here by my head and just, just filming, you know, obviously out, out of the front and just doing a steep turn. Yeah, your at- face wasn't even in it. Right, no. That's why <laughs> it went so viral.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're like, wait, maybe that's why I've lost followers recently. <laughs>
1: That's funny because first, we you know, we talked about you having cats and your face is showing on this podcast. So, man, we're just we're killing it right now. <laughs> when did it click for you? When did it click that you were like, man, this is really picking up steam and people are really starting to like know who I am now because of this?
0: I think I had a few videos go viral over the course of, I, I don't know, two, two months or so, three months, give or take. And just watching the follower count whenever they would go viral. Uh, So at some point, I think whenever you hit, I think, 100 likes, follows, and, like, comments, Instagram, like, tops out at that. And I remember waking up one day and seeing it was, like, it was 100 likes and 100 followers overnight. And I was, like, is this happening? (laughs) I'm, like, "Like, this is weird. And then I broke
1: Am I like a big deal?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Am I important now? You know, 3,000 followers and 5,000 and then 10,000. I was like, this is wild. And I just enjoyed making content and enjoyed making people laugh. And and honestly, the first, what I originally was planning on, not planning on doing, but why I wanted to make content was just for networking, right? The aviation is a very small community. Everybody knows everybody. And... Like if I have an online presence, I, I feel like it makes me, you know, more maybe more hireable. Like you know what you're getting whenever you see. me. There's really not much difference between what I post on Instagram and me. So right. yeah, originally for networking and just, just meeting people and, and meeting people in the aviation community and you know, hoping that maybe one day it helps me get a job.
2: I'm sure it will. I mean, I remember like a couple a couple things come to mind. I remember talking to. A prospective student on the phone, and she said, "Yeah, you know, I follow this girl named Morgan. You know, talks about career in aviation and all that. So it kind of hit me then, like, you know, prospective students are starting to to follow her and and know after her experience, this is what I want to do. And then we went to I think it was Sun and Fun first, where, hey, uh, is Morgan here? Is Morgan here? Excuse me." nice plane, but is Morgan here? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, she's not. And they're like, well, we saw blue line in the back of the picture she posted earlier today. So do you know when she's going to, so I would have to constantly be texting Morgan, like you are requested at the booth. Yeah. <laughs> and then at Oshkosh, it was obviously an even bigger deal where we did meetups and everything. So
1: Oshkosh was the big one for me yeah. because I remember, um, I don't remember what happened, but they knew that you were at our booth for some reason. Um, yeah, cause at
2: that point she had started posting, I'm uh, having a meetup at blue line aviation yeah. and like, all that.
1: And then I remember a couple approaching me and being like the girl, I swear she almost had tears in her eyes. She was like when, okay, here's how they approached us was like, Hey, we heard that Morgan's here. Is that true? And I said, yes. And it seemed at that point that her eyes seemed to get a little watery and she's like, Oh my God, like where is she at? And I think you had just left. You had just walked away with a friend and, and I was like, she went that way.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And they like take off running. And like, they literally did.
1: They left. Though. Like they just went. They to bring go out find the you. bloodhounds
2: to like smell your scent.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. I think I ran into that couple because I was coming back. Like I had gone, I think, to yeah. meet Captain Joe. Actually, I, he was having uh, a, like a meet and greet. So I was coming back from from that, and then they they walked past me, and they were like, and like oh my god, hi!" <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think what's really unique about you and why people. I mean, I think people go like crazy about influencers all the time, but specifically you, because you respond to everyone. I think that's so unique because like me and Morgan are friends, but we don't, talk every day but if i respond to her instagram story most likely within an hour i have a response back from her even if it's just a like of what i said yeah and that's what people who call into our school say morgan responded to me morgan said this morgan said that and there's so many influencers
0: even in aviation that it's a lot i mean how many followers do you have don't.
1: now yeah
0: it, it gets tough to and sometimes that's why i don't post on my stores, especially recently just i haven't been making as much content probably the last several months just because i'm not at the airport. Every day, like I was, but I'm also not posting on my stories a ton just because, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but I do get a lot of messages and, and it sometimes gets a little bit overwhelming, but I like, I want to try to talk to everybody and, and sometimes the messages like slip through the cracks and I feel really bad about that. But yeah, if someone has like a question for me, especially if they're asking advice for, you know, getting into aviation or you know, making a career out of aviation, going into a flight school. I want to answer those questions. like it's like you said not everyone wants to answer all their messages because it because it, it does get overwhelming but so many people have questions and I feel like I've I don't know everything but I've got some answers and I really want to pass on that information. So
1: you know how we know that you answer every comment on every post that you make? It's because when we have a post with you, with Blue Line, I'll wake up in the morning, and my notifications are, like Captain Morgan has commented on a post that you're tagged in. Like Captain Morgan has commented on a post that you're tagged in. And it's just blown up. And it's like, and normally I'll go in there, and as Blue Line, I'll respond for certain things, right? But if you already answered, I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) Well, that's fine. So And you got to think, right? Like Blue Line's had a couple viral posts ourselves. And I do my best to respond to every shout out right um we've had a couple that gone viral and we respond to every comment as as we possibly can um but you have continuous viral content so I can't imagine like
2: I don't usually respond to the comments but I still get them all and it's like like Captain Morgan like Captain Morgan and and it's somebody else will write back and then within seconds you are responding back to their question mm-hmm. it's I just don't I don't know I don't know how you have enough time in your day but going back to my first, Point was that that's why people react the way they do when they see you because you are so personable. There are so many influencers I have met at those air shows or other places. They're super nice, but they're just, it's not the same. And yeah. you are the, just like you just said, you are the person you are on social media and in person. So when Pete, like when the cup when that couple you saw and they say, hey Morgan, you're like, hey, you don't know who they are. <laughs> but you but they think they do, you make every single person feel like you care about one, their training, two, their aviation goals, and three, who they are. And I think that's really unique.
0: Thank you. Aww. Oh.
2: <laughs> so Morgan, talk to me about your time at Southwest. You were at Southwest before you came to Blue Line what about that job made you want to become a pilot?
0: Deciding to go to flight school was probably the, the, I don't know, 10 years or so, the previous 10 years of being around, well, in the industry, first of all, but also growing up around it. My dad has been a pilot since the 80s. I think he got his private pilot's license in like 86. So I grew up flying with him, but it was, it was one of those things that like, if you grow up around it, it's normal. Like, well, don't grow up with a dad, you know, who, who's got a plane and they just go fly. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate it as a kid. And then anyway, going into Southwest, I was also finishing my degree in, in aeronautics. I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to study when I first went to college. And my dad is also an air traffic controller. He said, well, what about ATC? Like, well, why not? I guess so. I don't know what else I'm going to do. So You know, my my education, my formal education is is in aviation as well. So, I don't know, it was a culmination of the past 10 years of being in aviation. And then, I think just talking to all the pilots, and all of them loved it. I I mean, there were days, obviously, like the meltdown they had uh, December, you know, over Christmas. I worked through a few of those meltdowns, unfortunately. None of them occurred over Christmas, though. That was a disaster. But we've had a few of those meltdowns. But other than that, and and some really rough passengers here and there, the pilots love their jobs. They loved, uh, obviously the pay is great. The flexibility is there. You're you're able to, you know, first of all, you do get to bid on your days, but also the ability to trade. It's fairly easy to to trade and, and pick up and give away days so you can do what you want with your life. So... Being an, especially the last three and a half years, I started off on the ramp for three and a half years on the ramp and then three and a half years as an operations agent. So as an operations agent, I was face to face with the crew and getting to talk to them. So I I talked to them a lot and all of them pretty much had the same thing to say. You know, They, they love their job.
1: I'm curious, would you say that you chose to become a pilot because higher quality of life or a passion for flying
0: originally higher quality of life honestly i didn't i wouldn't say i had a passion for it especially not at first it was one of those things where i was an operations agent in the middle of covid and initially you know things slowed down and it was what it was it wasn't great but it it wasn't Bad, and then when things picked back up, that's when it got bad. People got all kinds of crazy with the the masks and and, and every kind of issue. But even things that weren't issues before, you know, they were just you know not great situations. But it it wasn't bad. People took them to a whole different level after COVID. It was like the smallest thing set anybody off. So So I you
1: saying that essentially the smallest things got exaggerated post COVID or during COVID as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some some things that would be a minor issue after COVID turn into huge issues.
1: So you snapped and it was like, that's it. I'm becoming a pilot.
0: <laughs> and I knew there was a shortage. So I finished my, my capstone project for my bachelor's degree was on the pilot shortage. And that was in 2019. I wrote it in October or finished it October, 2019. And, and there was a shortage before COVID even happened. And then COVID happened and made it just so much were initially, you know, we went from a shortage to a surplus in a week. And because of all the early retirement packages and, you know, all kinds of benefits that the airlines offered their pilots to basically leave or, you know, retire, all those people left. And now they needed all of them back. <laughs> so, yeah, so it got even worse. And honestly, that's the train that I decided I wanted to jump on, I, you know, considering it was it was worse than it ever had been. So, yeah, that, that was my thinking it was just quality of life and passion. So, no, in, initially it wasn't a passion, but then I set out on my own path. Like I said, my dad, I grew up flying with my dad and it, it was OK. It was cool, but it wasn't I didn't have a huge passion for it. I wasn't like, yes, this is where I want my career to be. Like, let's go. So When for you say you were
1: flying with your dad, what does that mean? Were you flying like in general aviation, like your dad is on plane kind of thing? What does that mean?
0: Yes. So yeah, he had his own. Well, initially when I was younger, he just rented planes. So we would just go rent a 172 and go fly around. But later on, he he bought a a, a little Piper Cub. And then later on, he got a Citabria. So so yeah, it, it was all Was just, that it, your first
1: plane. Your first plane flying in was a Piper Cub.
0: It may. Well, that was when I was 16. So previous to that, I, I think we were flying Cessna 172s, 152s.
1: Oh, okay. I wanted to bring that up earlier, too, because you said you you did your spin training and I wanted to be I wanted to pull the whole like, well, back in my day, because <laughs> people that spin in the Cessna, right? The Cessna spins so slow, like but the 20, the 20 is what I spun in when I was going through the program and the 20 just snaps. It just it just goes. It's so yeah. crazy, man. And you're and in if like you all
2: haven't seen the 20s. We just got new ones.
1: Oh, that's a really takes. good point. Yeah, we just added two new. I don't know. You, even if you know this, Morgan, we just added two new DA twenties to our fleet, um, which we're going to be using for spin training and commercial stage one stuff. Right?
2: Yeah, I
0: think so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Confidence.
0: <laughs> it, where was I? Flying with my dad. Yeah there was <laughs> there was no passion. And then <laughs> <laughs> wait 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 where was I? Okay. So flying with, yeah, there was zero passion at all. Still isn't. I, 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 finally did find my passion for it, but it was only after I made my own journey and did it myself. Previously I, I got my private and my dad had a, a warrior. I got my private done the rest of my private done in a warrior. And it was the same thing. I'm like, you know, I'm getting it done because I'm able to, but that's the only reason. But it was also because he was supporting me in, in that way. And, I think whenever I, I pulled the trigger, you know, I, I got the loan. I didn't, didn't have anyone co-sign. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm going to blue line and I'm doing this myself. This is for me. Right. My, no one is helping me do it. And so when I came to blue line, you know, by myself and, and I realized that like, this is my path and this is, I'm doing this for me. It, it, it did become a passion. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that it, it happened that way. know, sometimes you, you find out what you're passionate about when you, do it on your own you just make Mm -hmm. and that that made all of the difference for me
2: yeah like it's this is so cheesy but it's it's like all those disney movies where the dad's like no you're gonna play professional baseball (laughs) and and it's like high school musical right and he's like He's like, "No, I I want to sing." I want to sing. And of course he's not going to be passionate about something that his dad is telling him to do, but once you do it for yourself, that's different. Like you find your own just like you said, you find your own passion.
1: At what point in the program would you say that it kind of what they always say is that the bug bit you, right? Like when do you think that happened for you? Or even can you can you even put a point like a time that that even occurred?
0: I can't really put a point on it. I I'd say, I'd say it happened fairly really quickly. You know, j- just moving in and, like, getting your stuff set up and, you know, what well, we had, I guess I had two roommates, so we had the whole house to ourselves because at that point, you know, we were still in Raleigh out of the houses and there were no women. It was me, Courtney, and Amy, and that was it. So, anyway, when I when I moved in and got settled and then finally started going to, like, ground school and had the first several flights, I was like, oh, we're, we're doing this. Like, this is, it's happening. <laughs>
1: I don't know if this is a relatable experience for you, but um, I've talked about this in the past about how aviation hasn't necessarily ever been a passion for me. It felt kind of it had its levels of intimidation going through the program because I was surrounded by people who joined Blue Line who were passionate. It is their life. Aviation is their life kind of thing. And there was some level of intimidation because of that. Do you you think you experienced the same thing from that?
0: No, (laughs) I don't feel like it did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the funny thing is the most, the thing that really got me was the fact that I what I was 20, see, 20, I think I was 28 when I started the program. What got to me was the fact that I'm surrounded by 19 and 20 year olds. It was so upsetting. I'm like, all you kids have your life together and I'm finally getting mine together at 28. <laughs> so that was, that was probably the thing that got to me. It, it didn't, you know, it wasn't intimidating or anything. Mostly I was annoyed because... I was off doing my own thing when I was 19, 20, and, like, having fun. with. I think I joined, like, rugby when I was 20 or 21 and, and just having fun with the team and, like, traveling. We, we traveled for tournaments. So, like, I enjoyed it. And also I was traveling with Southwest because I had the flight benefits. So I was beat-bopping around by myself in Mexico, not doing <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, it was good, and it was fun, and there were a lot of, you know, life lessons that I learned traveling by myself, but – I wasn't focused on my career, and now I, I, you know, get to Blue Line. I'm 28, almost 29, and there's a 19 year old. Here we go.
1: That's always for me. I mean, I was 31, I think, when I joined the program, or 32, maybe. And yeah, it's the same thing. It's nuts seeing all these kids that go in. Like I joined the military, right? So maybe that's other people's perspective. I went into service right when I turned 18. But it's crazy being here, seeing these kids come in at 18, 19, 20 years old, and they start becoming a pilot like immediately. That's not a career pilot. Yeah. Like they're so focused on their future that that's like they're already starting. Right. That's that's even when I joined the military, I didn't even consider a career like I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, that's just what you're supposed to do. And it's just it's crazy that I don't know, being a pilot wasn't even something I even considered at that age. Like, it just seemed, I don't know, like a bridge too far. So
0: like, do I really want to join whenever the regionals are paying 17,000 a year? You know, now and that was the other thing for me. <laughs> right. <And I'm> like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe I didn't and have now my- They're paying. Yeah. $100 I- an hour. Yep. <laughs> so there's mm-hmm. they're a lot more motivated, and obviously the the industry is ripe for the taking, and and these kids are in it at the perfect time. You know, there's there's no better time to start to start flying. So maybe you know, ten years ago for us, like it, it wasn't great. <laughs> so maybe that has something to do with it too. So, so what type of plane does your dad have right now? Uh, right now Samantha. he's got a. Yeah, banana. The banana A thirty six. Okay, okay. What kind of uh, avionics does he have in it? I think he's got a G five thirty, and he's got a couple of uh, I think they're two like 275s. They're a couple of like little touchscreen uh, Garmin. They they have a synth- synthetic vision on it. They're actually they're super cool. But you can like scroll up and you know change to get a heading mode and, and GPSS and, and all that. But they're they're really they're really neat. But it's not the G one thousand. I got real spoiled. The blue line.
2: Yeah. Well, the reason I'm asking, Morgan, and I know Andy knows, is because today's episode is sponsored by Spark Chasers Aircraft Services. Spark Chasers is an avionics company right here at Johnston Regional Airport. So the cool thing about Spark Chasers is that they are an avionics company who takes the stress out of choosing your upgrade for you. Deciding on panel upgrades can be an overwhelming task. Would you agree? Yeah. GI this, GTX that Who really knows what you need? I'll tell you who. Spark Chasers Aircraft Services. If you already have some of the pieces, we can work with you as well. Guess what? If you get signed up before the end of February, you're going to get special pricing for 2023. So give them a call today and get the modern cockpit you deserve.
1: One, Ashley, you're ridiculous, but it was Was amazing. Was that good, though? That was
2: was a good little segue, huh? That
1: was amazing. I knew what
2: kind of plane her dad had. (laughs) I knew it.
1: (laughs) Goose is like chasing his tail around us and like slamming into the wall and we're doing our best <laughs> to like
2: That was <laughs> wonderful. Guys <laughs> were He's like <laughs> <laughs> And David's little head is coming over. He's like <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? That so, short So Morgan So tell me about Auga! <laughs>
1: I'm keeping is that how you in said there.
2: It? <laughs> That's, that's what that's what it's that's why she made it that so that when we go to oshkosh people could do the call sign and she would know
0: yes that's am i wrong yeah, no that's exactly right you can <laughs> i am all to each other <laughs>
1: she's like, yes
0: yes uh annie i think her handle's like pilot annie or, or something she's she's out in uh, our, our friends in canada so she invited me to a. Uh, I guess a party at at one of the avionics tents or or something. And we go out there and we're just having a good time. And it started off as a joke. I'm like, what if we, I'm like, I'm just an awkward person. And I remember there were, you know, people coming up to me at Oshkosh. They're like, hi, Morgan. And I'm, and I was telling them this. I'm like, I, I sometimes don't know how to act. (laughs) Just like, hi. (laughs) Like, I'm just a little. And then we decided like, well, most aviators are a little bit awkward and it just sort of, snowballed I was like this would be like really fun to run with and I got home from from Oshkosh and then did a poll I'm like hey what if we actually like, make a group what would it, what would it be called you know, awkward aviators or you know the APA awkward pilots association I'm like well that's already taken and one of my followers I like did a poll and one of them was like what about Auga the association of unsociable and generally awkward aviators yes <laughs> Nailed it. Anything better myself? That's beautiful. And then we decided, uh, I guess, a donkey, a donkey and pinup would be a good mascot. <laughs> yeah. So that it, it just it snowballed and, and we ran with the idea and, and I, it it it's just a fun. I don't even know <laughs> how it happened. It's just. It, it, so it, how it does was one
1: just- join this group? Like, what does that look like? Or do I they just buy your more. apparel and they're a part
0: of it? I guess get some merch if you if you then you're in the club or just send me your most awkward story somebody <laughs> somebody <laughs> mess tagged me in a story the other day he was in an fbo and goes to wash his hands and you know how a lot of like the nice fbos have like a big bottle of mouthwash he thought it was soap so he squirted it in his hands and goes to wash his hands i don't and understand
1: d- how that's not common I've done that so many times. Like it's ridiculous. I, that was new. I had never seen that before I moved to North Carolina. I'd never seen mouthwash as a thing next to the soap. I've just never seen that. And on multiple occasions, I accidentally washed my hands with that.
2: We used to have mouthwash at the pilot training center. Yeah, we when did. We are, or you? Yeah. I did it too. So, <laughs> so do we get shirts? <laughs> I'll just send them to you. We get registration numbers now, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: guys are just part of the club honestly i i don't know it would be super funny to like make it an an actual club i have no idea what goes into that make it a
1: non-profit i
0: I write yeah (laughs) like that way we can do that (laughs) but set up set up a booth at uh at oshkosh and then we can all just stand around after hours and not talk to each other and just be generally awkward you know
2: what you really should get something made so that we can put it on our booth at Oshkosh, so it could be like a meetup spot for Auga. <laughs> God. Like, actually, like I might put a little thing on our like hospitality tent that says it because we're obviously gonna have low and slow and spark chasers. Shout out, and you know that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be super fun. <laughs> All right, right, well, we'll circle back because nobody else is saying yes.
1: I'm saying Either. it's perfect, <laughs> David. David's like, yes, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something. Um, because we have polarizing opinions on this subject. At least we have. There are people here that have polarizing opinions on this subject. <laughs> is the fifteen hundred hour rule? So initially, we had talked about this. Which, by the way, Abdul is our last guest, and he was actually he was also brought in from Blue Line because of you. Um, did you watch Abdul's? Oh no, because it's not released. We haven't released it yet. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> so, anyways, Abdul came here because of you. If you don't know that, the subject is about the fifteen hundred hour rule. And I don't know, Ashley's opinion may have changed on this. We'll see. But we had briefly brought it up in Abdul's podcast. And you had expressed the opinion that you disagree with the 1500 hour rule or that it's that it shouldn't exist. What would you say your initial expression? If you were to explain to somebody what your opinion of the 1500 hour rule is, what would you tell them?
0: So, so I wrote about, like I said, my capstone project when I finished my bachelor's was on the shortage and a huge the you know, reason we're dealing with the shortage right now is in part because of the 1500 hour rule It was sort of right it was a knee jerk reaction by the FAA after the Colgan air crash in like 2009 right the the first officer in the Colgan air crash i think had over 3000 hours i think both her and the captain had like well they over they both
1: 3, had over 1500 hours
0: the hours weren't the problem i i think you know a big part of of the problem was like fatigue i think she had traveled I think she had deadheaded over to you know wherever they, whatever she was based at, and like had fallen asleep in the the crew lounge or something. And they had they had talked about it in the NTSB report that fatigue was a major you know issue in this issue or you know p- potentially a major issue. And anyway, so I, I think the fifteen hundred hour rule rule was a knee jerk reaction. I think it's good for us because now the regionals aren't. She was getting paid, I think not even quite 17,000 the previous year. That's horrible.
1: (laughs) So I think what's crazy about that is when we bring up the 15 hour rule, it's always the idea of like, Hey, you need that many hours in flight to be able to uh, be experienced enough to fly people around. And this is what I brought up in Abdul's podcast was I was, there was a time that people would get to 250 hours and they just immediately transitioned into the airlines. Right. That was just what it was. Now, The debate was, because you initially were for the 1500 hour rule, from hearing what Morgan has just said and what we talked about with Abdul's, what's your opinion now on it?
2: Okay, so hear me out. I feel like I was for the 1500 hour rule because of lack of knowledge. So I feel like I I came into it thinking I knew so little about the crash. I still don't. I didn't know that those pilots had over 3000 hours. And I didn't know... That fatigue was a, a – where did they get 1,500? If these pilots had 3,000 hours, why did they decide 1,500 was the rule? <laughs> why wouldn't they say they have to have 3,000?
0: Well, yeah. I, I don't understand.
1: Welcome to the aggravation of the subject, right?
0: I was going to say I think there were a couple of other crashes before Colgan, and I think Colgan was the tipping point. So I, I don't know about gotcha. crashes, but I think there were a couple of regional regional crash, crashes that also you know, sort of led to the you know, issue or, or – The
2: 1500 hour rule. Gotcha. Well, to play devil's advocate also, though, I tend to feel is the pilot shortage really due to the 1500 hour rule? There are a lot of other factors that go into play with this. I mean, you think about the fact that we had a a worldwide pandemic for it's still going on right now. But the shortage
1: was happening before the pandemic.
2: Right. But it got worse because then you just like you said earlier in the podcast, Morgan, then you had companies letting letting pilots retire early and not thinking about the future, thinking about when things ramp back up and people are ready to travel again, they're gonna be ready to travel with a vengeance. And now we don't have, and now we took our pilot shortage even further because we don't have enough people to fill the spots of the people that retired, you know? And then also, was it a lack of preparation on the airlines for years to prepare for this?
1: So, my perspective on it is the 1500 hour rule when it was implemented because it was implemented do you remember what year it was implemented
0: let me do some research 11 or 12 I think I think it took a couple years it was
1: it was early early 2010s yeah yeah so when that was implemented, it that's where I saw where pre-COVID, when we had the pilot shortage, then that was an effect from the fifteen hundred hour rule before COVID happened and everything. So we were, there was already an issue, and then COVID hit, which just exaggerated that issue. Similar to what you were talking about, you know, when you were working at Southwest and how like you were dealing with people and the small little things got exaggerated because of COVID. And I think it's the same thing with this fifteen hundred hour rule.
2: 2013.
1: So 2013.
2: And this article does say the crash happened in 2009. Yeah. And it killed 50 people. So the 1500 hour rule was in response to that specific crash, even though both pilots of the regional turboprop plane had hundreds more hours and flying experience above that threshold. Mm-hmm. So that that's a little bit of a mind twister, a little bit right there. Like why are you making this rule when the people who were flying it already had that rule like the the crash would
0: not have changed i was say the they all had you know well over 1500 hours also because no one or a lot of people who you know in this environment would love to fly a lot of them didn't you know back then because because the regionals were paying so poorly and a lot of the pilots that did go to the regionals had you know if, if they were women you know maybe they had a support system at home or, or you know they had Two salaries or, or something, but it, it's obviously very difficult to live on less than, you know, less than twenty thousand. But they were, you know, seventeen, sixteen thousand a year. So I think there weren't as many people flying just because they knew that their return on investment. You know, you spend eighty to a hundred grand on training, all to go to the regionals and get paid twenty for you know a few years right. or the first couple. And then struggle to upgrade through the regionals. And then you had, you would, what, spend seven, eight or more years uh, until you could upgrade to captain. And then you'd have to do that until you could get a spot in a legacy. So, so many people didn't want to deal with it. Their return on investment was horrible.
1: <laughs> I think what would be interesting is to look at how other countries were affected. Because America, from my understanding, and I know this is completely true, but from my understanding, America is the only one that has the 1500 hour rule. Every other country... Supposedly still does the like the second they get their training done. They have the commercial license that they can go into it. And if that's the case, it's like, well, w- were they experiencing a pile shortage? And if they were, was that affected by other elements? And America was dealing with the same elements the rest of the world was. But we just decided to tack on an additional problem of the 1500 hour rule. Right. And then COVID happened and made it that much more that uh, that much more worse, that much more worse. That's it. That much worse.
2: <laughs> well, wow, that's such a good point. So um, further research leads me to find that Europe and even Canada, there's a minimum of 230 or 250 hours flying respectively. So once you have your commercial license, essentially, you can go you fly don't. to the airlines. Uh, the title of this is the 1500 hour rule has broken the pilot pipeline in the U.S.
1: Yeah, and it, even Forbes wrote a, an article about this. They deep dive the fifteen hundred hour rule.
2: Forbes.com.
1: Oh, that's literally what you're reading yeah. from? That's so
2: funny. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say literally Forbes wrote an article about this. So Morgan, okay, I want your opinion on this. All right. So we agree that the fifteen hundred hour rule <laughs> we agree that the fifteen hundred hour rule is a little too much. Do you think it should drop back down to two fifty?
0: No, because I think that's the biggest reason that we're actually seeing the regionals be forced to cough up some money to pay their pilots a livable wage. So going back to two hundred and fifty, no. I mean, maybe like seven hundred and fifty, a thousand. I think fifteen hundred is a bit much. But you know, especially when you think of maybe you've got a, a pilot who's literally just flying the pat just beating up the pattern with you know students. And, and obviously, there's more to instructing than that. But you know, if, if that's all they're doing for fifteen hundred hours, how much experience are they really getting? Because I mean, not that there are many people just doing you know, laps in the pattern for 1,500 hours, but there's probably a few out there who feel like, well, all they need is 1,500 hours, just going to go in circles, or, you know, they're not really, you know, they're not doing, I mean, obviously, they have to do some cross countries, but they're not growing, you know, their foundation of of knowledge, I I guess, and their experience foundation by going to other places, you know, flying in, in IFR, just different kinds of flying, you know, they're not forced to be in that situation. So,
1: I had I had brought up to, Ab, when we were talking to Abdul, I had brought up, I was like, I felt good with 750. 750 seemed right, right? And it's very arbitrary for me to just choose that number, but...
2: What was it before?
1: 250.
2: Oh, so it was 250 and they raised it to 1500?
1: Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying 750 was the happy medium. Abdul brought up a really good point that what should be mandatory is that you have to, you choose how you build your additional... 250 hours after flight school, right? Whether that's instructing or something else. Because most instructors find that their job gets a little repetitive after about two, 300 hours, right? At that point, systems start getting into play. You're getting in the flow of things. But then he says that you should transfer over to a 135 operation and then from 500 to 750 you now have to have commercial experience so you're dealing on the job on experience. the job training essentially right so you're actually having to do crew resource management you're it's you and a first officer or actually you and a captain and then you can transition into the airlines and i thought that was a pretty decent idea
0: honestly that's where i'm that's where i'm planning on going next is a 135 because i mean although the, the pipeline I, I like my job i don't like that i get air sick sometimes, but you know, and I have learned the different, you know, weathered patterns from flying from Houston to Midland, but I make that same trip every week. Right. So there's only so much more than I'm able to learn. So but yeah, no, I wanna go to a 135. I'm like, let me get into an actual jet and learn, you know, flying with a crew. Like it's it's a different environment. And obviously if you want to fly commercially Like that's the experience that really matters. And uh, this experience is important too. And obviously, but the hours are more important than anything. So it doesn't doesn't matter where you got your hour. They don't, they don't care if you beat up the pattern for a thousand hours. They're like, we'll take you, whatever. So yeah, I I think getting in a crew environment, flying a jet, flying turbines is so much more valuable.
1: Okay, Morgan. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go ahead and transition to questions. There's so much more that we, we want to talk to you about. And I guess what we'll have to do is we'll have to do a part two for sure.
2: We're going to have to yeah. because if we don't eat soon, we're there won't die. be able to be a part two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and transition into questions that people had for you.
2: The first question uh, is from Jacob Morfonios. And his question is, <laughs> who was your favorite instructor at Blue Line Aviation and why was it me?
0: You let me start filming content with you and didn't shame me.
2: <laughs> I love Jacob. Jacob is working at an airline in Hawaii, actually. So he lived in Hawaii, moved here for flight school, instructed with us for about a year and a half, and then moved back to Hawaii with his wife, who I also love. She worked with us um, as a training advisor, and I just love them both so much.
1: Yeah, he went to Hawaii to Island Hop. Like, that's one of, like, the prime the prime time-building jobs you can get as a pilot is to Island Hop in Hawaii all day.
2: But now he's a captain. Like, he's doing it less, I believe, than less for our building and, like, really enjoys it. Yeah, yeah. How could you not? Right. In Hawaii, of all places. Come on. (laughs) Right. I mean, how are you going to fly around the islands all day and say you hate this? (laughs) Just to be clear, he doesn't.
1: (laughs) See, we had a question from someone on Instagram um, by the name of Ashton underscore SZ. What's the best job to build hours for someone who just received their commercial rating?
0: I think Pipeline. Pipeline is pretty good. You can do banner, banner towing. I like having my CFI I, you know, obviously I I didn't use it for for very long. I don't think being a CFI is for everybody. I think that's an important conversation to have with yourself because when you think about the responsibilities that that you as a CFI you have, like it's Mm -hmm. a lot and you're you're teaching people, you know, if you're teaching private, some most of these people have never been in an airplane in their life. So if you if you plan on getting your CFI just to build hours and just to show up for that and that's it you're failing your students, right? You have to show up, like you have to be able to answer all their questions and there's so much more that goes into it, right? Like outside of flying and you have to be prepared to step in to that. And if you're not passing on the right knowledge to your student, then you're just doing them a huge disservice, especially considering how much they're paying to be there. And also the fact that you're teaching them things that are probably going to save their life one day. And that's the big if if you if you drop the ball there you have the potential to you know really hurt somebody or for them to you know maybe lose their life so that's such an important responsibility and i don't think it, anyone who's not ready to take that on who doesn't think they're going to be able to give 110% to every student that's not for you. Just don't don't do it. People who who get the rating and maybe they don't like instructing, but they understand that responsibility and they're still going to show up. That's a different story. Not everybody loves instructing. I I did not love instructing, and and then the pipeline thing just you know fell in my lap. It, it is what it is. But you know if you don't like instructing, but you're still able to show up and give everything to your students, then then great. But if not, then th- that's a different story.
2: So two things. The first thing is I respect that you were able to come to that decision and, and just be honest with yourself. Yeah. Also, do you feel like, because we have some students that are here that say they want to go through our program, but maybe they're, they know they're not interested in being a CFI. And, and the honest truth of it is, do you believe, because I believe this, do you believe that becoming a CFI helped you grow as a pilot, having to then teach that information and go through that checkride and, and everything, do you feel like it helped you become a better pilot?
0: I think so, yeah, because there's something different about not only taking in the information and and being able to perform, but also your ability to give that information to someone else and then their ability to perform, right? So I think it makes a difference. Yeah, I think it's, it's... I'm I'm very glad that I have it, even though I'm not, you know, using it any anymore. I'm very glad that I have my my CFI.
2: Okay. And then the second thing was, so going back to the fifteen hundred hour rule, as a CFI, you are instructing people who will be flying airlines one day if that's their goal or or any plane. Yeah. And just like you said, to reiterate, it's so important that you're right. You don't have to love what you're doing. Hopefully you do, but it's so important that you take in how important what you're doing is because, you know, when you teach a private student, they're going to take that information and that's like the basis of their pilot training. Right. And as they, when they become an airline pilot, that's still going to be with them. So you, it's not something to be taken lightly, No. but also, you know, it's, it's a really good experience to go through because having to teach the information will help you be a better pilot.
1: Yeah, I think to add on, one of the common things we get asked a lot at Blue Line is do we guarantee the instructor position? And no, we don't. And this, because of this conversation, is the exact reason why we vet everybody. We always tell people that come through our program to treat it like it's a job because you're being watched the whole time. We monitor our students as they go through the program and we treat it like a job interview. So we watch how they like what they do and how they do things, how they what their personality is like throughout the program. And not everybody not only wants to be a pilot, some people just aren't built or are not pilot. Yeah, I was going to say, every, take that out. <laughs> not everybody wants to become an instructor, nor are, can everybody become an instructor. Some people just aren't built to teach, right? No. Um, and that's why we don't guarantee the position because to maintain the quality of training that we provide, we have to vet those that come into the instructor ranks at Blue Line.
0: Say, I would say, actually, it's funny enough, I had a conversation Yesterday, with uh, someone who messaged me, who's who's looking into Blue Line, um, and they were like, "Well, you know, I hear they only hire maybe you know forty percent of their you know, students that go through the program." Like I was hoping to you know have a for sure you know job, and like, well, th- honestly, that benefits the students so much because if you know you or whatever flight school whoever guarantees every pilot a job, like you don't know who you're getting, right? You're gonna have some people that come in who get the CFI just to build hours. And they don't care about anything else. And they don't care you about you as a student. They just want to get their hours. So those people aren't going to be the best instructor, you know, potentially, if that's all they're, they're motivated by. So you guys have an awesome opportunity to keep an eye on these students for, you know, five to six months and monitor their progress and, you know, see, do they show up every day? Do they, you know, do they dress nice? Do they right. treat everybody nicely? Um, You know, are are they a good person? Like you can typically, are they prepared? Right? Yeah. Well, like, are they, yeah, do they come Do They have the homework done, you know, before they get in on the first day, you know, you know, they're showing up every day. And you guys have the opportunity to spend, you know, five to six months with these people just about every day, you get a pretty good idea of, of what you're you're getting when you spend that much time with people, obviously you know you interview people and bring people from out of town. You know, you have a couple hour interview, maybe, you know, two separate interviews, but these students you get six months with. So it's awesome because you mm-hmm. really get the pick of the litter and in return, those good people that you guys decide to hire are going to bring the best for the next students. So anyway, exactly. Yeah. I think it's really great that you guys, you guys get to do that and it really benefits students because they're going to get good instructors and and just good quality instruction so
1: an instagram account which you should well know me and me and hugh asked the question who's the coolest southwest employee you know and why is it nicole
0: obviously nicole because i should check out her check out her page i worked with her um for years and she has amazing photography i you know the Southwest Jets are known for their pretty slick paint jobs, so uh, she gets some some really cool shots, and it was a pleasure working with her. And we still, you know, connect every once in a while, and she's still in Houston. So, yes, Nicole. I love.
1: So she she inspired our recent. We, we call them internally. We call them lifestyle snippets, but she films these behind the scenes employee videos of guys on the ramp and stuff like that. And I, I love them. That. I don't know what it is about that content, but I love it. And we recently posted one. And I'm just a huge fan of it. And David actually edited that one. And it was really good. I loved it. I didn't know her name was Nicole. I just always said it was me and Hugh. But <laughs> thank, thanks.
2: <laughs> this question is from Instagram from Krek79. Cr- How many Auga members and is there an award for the most awkward aviator?
0: There should be. This might be a project for the future. <laughs> it just started as like, hey, let's... You know, create a mascot. This would be a fun idea, but that's about that's about as far as I've gotten you know, with it. So maybe one day in the future, I would love to have an award for the most awkward aviator. And how many members are there? I don't. I couldn't tell you
1: because <laughs> it's not. It's not like it's real not. in a way.
2: <laughs> Great question.
1: So there's a question from Meme Aviation, our Meme underscore Aviation. After your time at Blue Line, what did you do to begin your time building?
0: I started off with. Uh, I- instructing, uh, I can't remember how many months I, I was doing that. Like I said, it wasn't for, for really long, but I started instructing and then the pipeline gig just fell in my lap. And I, I ran with that because I was, as, as an instructor, I was working, I think six days a week. It was like, my schedule had to be open from 7 AM to 7 PM. And and I could have one flight a day, I could have five flights a day, I could have one in the morning, one in the evening, and nothing in between. Um, so that that schedule, I really wasn't a fan of that schedule. I, you know, didn't have any time for anything outside of that, pretty much. And so when the pipeline fell in my lap, I think we we're, we typically fly three days a week. So, and we fly about 15 hours a week, give or, give or take. So I was flying a little bit more consistently because Houston weather here is, is nuts. And then you have, you know, slow sea, I think January was really slow for the the flight school that I was at, um, or I'm sorry, I think December was really slow for the the flight school that I was working for. So this, I have a salary, I've got a consistent schedule and I have time for like life. (laughs) So, so that's what I'm, I'm doing right now. But like I said, I'm trying to get on with a 135 because I'm tired of throwing up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this next question was already pretty much answered but it's from Trout. one said what made you use delay in front of her tag um, but then they also asked what is the coolest plane that you've ever flown the 42
0: the
2: 42 are you kidding me she flew in an aerobatic plane at Oshkosh
0: I mean
1: that', oh, that-
2: pretty
0: cool that was fun but oh, it, ooh, that's a real toss but it also depends on the kind of flying you're doing right like right want to like, like cruise and get somewhere the oh man even the 40 like they're both just sweet sweet airplanes <laughs> so, yeah but that is pretty darn cool too i love the satabria uh that's why I'm, I'm flying for a pipeline but it is not the right plane from houston to midland it's like a, a six to seven a five and a half to seven hour day depending on wins it really like a 172 would probably be best a 182 would be even better but i love the satabria just not for long trips
2: so this last question is from tiktok it's from zad alfala seven i love this person because they give us a question every time on tiktok
1: oh really yeah i feel like i just haven't recognized that sorry
2: (laughs) so this person wants to know how does your financing system work so Zad, you can go on our website and you can check out the financing page or connect with a training advisor and we can tell you all about it. But specifically, Morgan, what I'd like you to go into on this is, did you use our financing? And since you did, did you refinance afterwards? And since you did, who did you refinance through? And and just like how how that process worked for you. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, so – well, like I said, it took like three days after I'd seen Andy's video. I think three days later, um, or within three days I applied for the loan. And then like two weeks later I pulled the trigger. It was a very borderline impulsive decision, <laughs> but as soon as the, <laughs> the Was it Skybound? Yeah, it was Skybound. Mm-hmm. So I, I, okay. uh, I applied with Skybound, uh, yeah, accepted and then came to school, what, two, two months later, three, two and a half months later. And I mean, the process was, was pretty easy, I didn't get a a fantastic interest rate initially, but I, and I I think that's a, that's a hangup for a lot of people whenever they apply for the loan. They're like, okay, like like I'll consider maybe getting a loan. And then they look at the interest rate and they're like, well, now I'm not going to get this loan because that interest rates too high. I'm like, okay, like I I get it. it. It's a very intimidating interest rate, you know, and especially when you compound it and you really look at how much you're paying. Yeah, it's, it's discouraging, but you can refinance. And I, unfortunately, interest rates are just up as a whole right now, but I, I graduated, I refinanced as soon as I got a job at the the flight school I was teaching at, I refinanced with earnest, and I think my interest rate right now is 3.6%, but, but you can refinance, and although, you know, that, that initial interest rate is a little bit high, like, Grand scheme of things, you're gonna be potentially making millions in the aviation industry. Right,
2: right. And that's the that's the thing about our financing or financing for a flight school in general. the The thing to consider is that when you're going through flight school, you're you're unemployed or a flight school like ours specifically because there was no way for you to have a job when you're going through the most efficient flight school in the nation. Mm-hmm. Shout out. So <laughs> so. <laughs> Seriously though, you don't have a job. So when you're financing, you know, these companies, you're not you may not get the best interest rate. You know, you don't have a job, you're about to go through flight school. When you're finished and you are now employed in a in an industry that just like you said has the opportunity for for the workers to make millions of dollars and the return on investment is so much higher, these re, these refinance companies are it's a no-brainer for them once you're employed. So it sounds scary in the beginning, but if you think about your long term goal and the reason you're going to flight school, even you know you know you're interested and you know it's expensive, right? So it really isn't as daunting as it seems because once you are employable or employed, the the hiring rate right now is like over ninety percent for for instructors, pilots. So refinancing it should not be a problem, and obviously Morgan is a is a a good example of that.
1: Yeah, I think what people seem to misunderstand. You look at anybody that is in any investment world, and this is exactly what it looks like. There's capital, massive capital up front, but the returns are what you're looking at, right? Which is why we call it ROI, return on investment. So looking on that is one aspect. But even for us, our students, our graduates are breaking the six-figure income barrier within three to five years of graduating the program. Actually, even I from think, starting the program. I
2: think I think it's even sooner than that.
1: And that's definitely the case because we've had somebody that recently joined the regional. So it's only been three years since they've gone through the program and they're already making over $100,000 a year. So it's like you're making your return on investment in collaboration with the refinancing your loan to lower your payments. Your cash flow is just that much higher. Right,
0: right. It's on like how aggressively you're trying to fly and get your hours. So I I talked to, I'm flying about 50 hours a month, which is a little bit, on the low side for for some people, but I like it because I, I was burnt out at Southwest and I don't want to burn out, especially in aviation before I like really make my career. So, but there was another guy flying pipeline. He's flying like 200 hours a month. I mean, he, he just broke 1500 hours, but you know, he was getting after it. Like you can get that, get that money at the regionals, like fairly quickly. Like if you're ready to put in the work and you want to go, you know, bust your butt. Um, or you can take your time a little bit, you know, like I am and, you know, get your you know, 50, 60 hours a month and then, you know, go to a 135 or, you know, make it all the way to the regionals. But yeah, like you said, you can you can get there very quick. Even if you don't get to the regionals, a lot of 135s are starting their first officers. You get hired maybe around 1,000, 1,200 hours, give or take. A lot of them are starting between 60 and like 90,000.
1: That doesn't include bonuses or anything. So at, at this point, we're going to go ahead and uh, roll out the red carpet for you. Is there anything you'd like to say to our followers and anything you got going on that you'd like them to know about?
0: So let me uh, let me get on my little red carpet, my little pedestal real quick. <laughs> so, you know, like I said, it, you know, there's that one pipeline pilot flying 200 hours a month. There's me flying 50 hours a month. I had this realization the other day because I'm currently really impatient. Like I like... Flying the amount of hours I'm flying a month, but at the same time, I'm so ready to move on to a jet. Right, that's the goal for most of us. For most of us, not not everybody, but like I don't want to be a pipeline pilot for the remainder of my career, and my stomach would murder me in my sleep anyway. I, can't. you know, I, so I'm struggling a little bit with with feeling, you know, like sick and just being impatient and ready to move on. And I just wanted to share with people that. Like, if you're feeling the same way, if you're not building hours as quickly as you want to, or if you're, you know, flying 80, 100 hours a month and maybe you're just tired, just just keep at it. Like, you're not the only one. We're all, and also for people that are coming in or, you know, maybe thinking about flight school and then thinking it's going to be a breeze all the way to regionals. It, it's not always a breeze, right? Like, I, I'm enjoying the journey or trying to enjoy the journey as much as I can, but you're gonna have days where it's it's rough, right? I, I had a flight uh, maybe a month ago. I threw up twice <laughs> on my way to Midland. <laughs> I was I was so miserable and I was like ready to quit. I almost sent in my resignation, I was like, this might be the day. I don't think I can do this anymore. Um, but you know, I stuck it out and I worked past the air sickness. I, it happens occasionally, but it's not always gonna be smooth sailing and that's okay. Just be prepared that you might have to pay your dues for a couple of years that's okay. Just, you know, keep your head down. If you got a, a little bit of grit and fortitude, like you can make it. We're, we're going to get there. And this is a reminder to myself as well. Like be a little bit patient. Like the return on investment is there. It, it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes it feels like a trudge, but ha- hang in there. Like it's, it's all going to be worth it in the end. So that's what I got for you. That's
2: so motivational. I love it. <laughs> so Morgan, why don't you tell our listeners how they can contact you if they want to reach out to you?
0: Uh, Instagram is probably the the best place. My my handle is lay captain Morgan. The lay underscore captain underscore Morgan. That's the best place to to find me. I'm not on TikTok or anything. I think I deleted my TikTok. Actually, I like started posting stuff. Man, I got so overwhelmed like posting yeah. both places and like trying to respond to. Both. I'm- Ooh, I was It was too
1: much. Well, Morgan, it was great having you on the podcast. I'm glad you joined us. We look forward to having part two and actually having you here physically in the studio. Um, yeah, I'm
2: really excited for that. I think we're going to have to arrange that soon because, they, I mean, you all can't see our script, but there's so many things we didn't get into because
1: we're already at two hours. the three
2: of us with Morgan, we could just talk forever.
1: So, <laughs> Okay, well, Morgan, appreciate you coming on and um, we'll look forward to seeing you next time.
2: So don't forget that we still are offering our career pilot program discount of $5,000 off until the end of February (laughs) when you mention the Bravo Lima podcast.
1: Make sure you follow us and watch us on any platform that you prefer to watch our podcast on. And if you prefer listening, make sure you listen on any of the major platforms, Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, and and you can join us there as well. Remember to always check the description of the video because we might have updates or corrections about anything that we might have stated during the podcast. And that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast. Skies are clear. Comms are open.
2: No, comms are closed.
1: Oh, yeah. Comms are closed. I'll start that again. Skies are clear. You still got to put it in there. (laughs) We're never going to get this outro right. Skies are clear. Comms are closed. Thank you for watching the Bravo Lima podcast.
2: Episode three. Three. Bye.